This is the Tao of Christ, and I'm Marshall Davis. In this podcast, I explore the mystical roots of Christianity, which Jesus called the Kingdom of God, which church historian Evelyn Underhill called the Unit of Life, and which Richard Rohr calls the Universal Christ, and which I refer to as Christian non-duality, unitive awareness, or union with God. This is the Tao of Christ. Good morning, this is Marshall Davis. We're looking at the Gospel of John as a proclamation of the Gospel of non-duality. And today we're going to look at the famous story of Jesus turning water into wine at the wedding in Cana. It's a much-loved story. I use it and refer to it in every wedding that I officiate at. It's the first of seven signs that Jesus does in the Gospel of John. Jesus' family and disciples are invited to a wedding in Cana of Galilee. We're not told whose wedding it is, although it is safe to assume that it was a relative of Jesus. Jesus' mother seems to have a role in making sure the event goes off well, which means it's likely a relative on Mary's side of the family, so probably a cousin of Jesus. The wedding is going along fine when all of a sudden the wine runs out. Obviously bad planning on somebody's part, which doesn't reflect well on Mary or her family. Jesus' mother hurries over to Jesus, saying, They have no wine. Jesus responds in a manner that sounds rather rude, saying, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Christian interpreters spend a lot of time trying to excuse Jesus for what appears to be a rebuff of his mom. A good Jewish boy would not treat his mom rudely like this, we're told by these preachers, especially when this Jewish boy is Jesus. But the reality is that Jesus is expressing impatience here. After all, he was human. Mary, knowing her son will help, says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, we're told that there were six large water jars that are normally used for ritual purification before eating, and each jar was able to hold 20 or 30 gallons of water. Jesus instructs the servants to fill them with water and draw off some of the contents and bring it to the master of the feast. Now, the master of the feast is an honorary position held by one of the invited guests, normally an important relative. This person serves as a sort of master of ceremonies. In the story, he tastes this and immediately calls the groom and says to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. The story is normally interpreted as a a miracle tale used to introduce us to Jesus' supernatural powers. But it is actually a symbolic portrayal of Jesus as the source of the universe and the origin of all and our connection to that. 
The story points us to the opening words of the Gospel of John, which describes Jesus as the Word, which was with God and was God, and through whom everything was made that was made. The story of turning water into wine is a symbolic reenactment of the creation story with Jesus playing the role of the Creator. If you remember the creation story of Genesis, you will recall that it starts with the earth covered with water and the Spirit hovering over the face of the deep. And God turns this watery chaos into cosmos with the Word. Here Jesus is the Word doing the same sort of thing. With the Word he turns the chaos of a a wedding that ran out of wine, which was a social disaster at that time and place. It would have been a disgrace for this family that they never would have lived down. He turned this chaos into a memorable event that is still repeated 2,000 years later. There are also echoes here of the flood story, which was itself a recreation of the world through water. If you remember the story of Noah's flood, the first thing that Noah does after the flood is plant a vineyard and make wine. The story of Jesus turning water into wine is meant to echo those Hebrew stories of creation and recreation. And to Greek and Roman ears, the story also would have overtones of Dionysus, also called Bacchus, in Rome, he is known as Libera Pater, the free father, the Greco-Roman god of freedom and abundance and celebration and joy and wine. Most important as we interpret this as non-dualism is that Jesus is pictured as the divine source from which all things originate. Jesus is free to remake the world as symbolized by turning water into wine. And we are free in the same way. The physical world is not as fixed as we think it is. To a great extent, it is a product of perception. And what Jesus is doing here is changing the way people were perceiving. Jesus is not a, was not a traveling magician. Jesus was not a wizard saying magic spells over jars of water like a first century Harry Potter. He doesn't lay his hands on the jars and ask for a miracle like some TV evangelist doing a fake healing. All he does is tell the servants to fill the jars with water and then bring some to the master of the feast who then declares it to be the best wine he's ever tasted. And everyone agrees. Jesus is opening people's eyes and taste buds to a different way of perceiving. This was the wedding of a poor family that was cutting costs and hoping it would be enough to have a decent wedding. That's why they ran out of wine. 
They were feeling poor. And Jesus changed this into an experience of abundance. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God, Jesus said. This is the miracle. That's what the story is communicating. Jesus changed the way people saw reality that day. Life became wine instead of water. It is symbolic of the transformation from seeing this world as duality to seeing it as non-duality. To see this story as nothing more than a physical miracle would make this into a parlor trick and Jesus into a sideshow performer. This is something much more fundamental. This is about spiritual transformation. It's about seeing the world in a new way. Jesus was giving them a glimpse into the nature of reality and human nature. Our world is not what people perceive it to be. You know, we peer out at the universe through five little pinholes called physical senses and process it through our tiny monkey brains and then we, we conclude that we know the real world. How egotistical that is. Indian spirituality calls this maya or illusion. Our brains deceive us. This is demonstrated in the news daily when we read about bizarre conspiracy theories like QAnon and Pizzagate and fake news that people in political circles actually believe today. People convince themselves of all sorts of things that aren't true. We know that. Humanity has convinced itself that it is lost and the need of liberation and salvation. We see our lives as suffering. We perceive ourselves to be miserable sinners in bondage to sin and under the judgment of a wrathful deity who's going to send most of humanity into hell if they don't conform to certain religious demands. And that becomes humanity's psychological and spiritual reality. And so we think we need to be liberated or freed or saved so we concoct elaborate religious systems and beliefs and rituals to save ourselves from the prisons of our own making. These become our emotional and psychological reality. The truth is that we are free. To see that we are free is to wake up from the illusion. As Jesus says in this gospel, when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. We are free indeed. We are saved. We are enlightened. There's nothing we have to do or believe. The problem is that in our minds, we're not free. And that's why we search for freedom and salvation and enlightenment. We think that we are time-bound physical creatures that are born and live a few decades and then die. But that's not what we are. We are not born. We do not die. We are eternal. We are the source that can turn water into wine. 
That is what Jesus knew about himself and tried to communicate to us. Jesus perceived himself to be that eternal one. He proclaimed that we are that and can know that. This is eternal life. This is what the Gospel of John is about. That is what the seven I am statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John communicate. That's what the seven signs of the Gospel of John point to. And this first sign of turning water into wine is the first of those signs pointing to this truth. That's it for today. Grace and peace to you. That is a Tao of Christ for today. Thank you for listening. You can access other episodes of this podcast at thedowofchrist.com. You can also find these podcasts in video format at my YouTube channel at christiannonduality.net. My blog, Spiritual Reflections, can be found at marshalldavis.us. There you will also find a link to my books and my email address. Join me next time for another episode of The Tao of Christ.